the topic as a staff and I were thinking about what we wanted to do for this this one night conference is we wanted to make it count. We don't want to just do something just because San Diego's in town, so we got to do something. We really felt like this is something that God has laid on our hearts as we want to focus on prayer. And not and so we're going to look at some why, why prayer is so important. We're going to also look at some how, and then we're going to look at some common hindrances, common things that can trip us up in our prayer lives. So I'm super pumped about it. And for a lot of people, prayer is really like a last-ditch effort. When you're in a football game uh, and you're, it's, it's the end of the game, fourth quarter, and you, what do you throw up? A Hail Mary, if you're Catholic, or a prayer. You throw a prayer up, okay? And for a lot of people, uh, they throw up a, a prayer is the last thing. Oh, All we can do is pray. But really, prayer should be our top priority, not our last effort. And a lot of people have what I call an automatic prayer button, okay? You're sitting down for the meal, and you press this automatic prayer button. Lord, bless this supersized cheeseburger and, and double, you know, double um, fries with Taco Bell, you know, the Taco Bell nachos. You're praying for more miracles than I pray for, if God's going to bless that to your nourishment of your bodies, okay? It's like some people have more faith than me. So, but my goal for tonight is to kind of, what I want to do is share from my life is I've really experienced like God working in my life through prayer. It's been about 15 years since I, God kind of opened my eyes to the importance of prayer. And so I've seen, I could fill up a journal. I have, I've filled up journals of God answering prayers in my life. And so I just want to pray and jump into some of the reasons I want you to experience how God can really work in a real way. God is a real God, and when you pray to him, he, he does stuff that he won't do when you pray. <laughs> he does stuff when you pray that he won't do if you don't pray. Okay, that's my main point right there. So let me pray and jump in. Father, I pray that you would guide this, this session tonight, that your, your spirit would guide each of us as we speak, and that each of us would be more motivated to really live a lifestyle of prayer for the rest of our lives. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So I, you have a little handout with lots of stuff. So I'm going to be moving fast. So the first point on your handout is embrace the urgency of prayer. Embrace the urgency of prayer. For me, um, let's see. I titled this, this whole session, Prayer Matters, because when I... When I was a younger believer, you, if you asked me if prayer mattered, I would say, of course, prayer matters. Yeah, prayer matters. But if you followed me around, which would be creepy, if you followed me around for a week, <laughs> that'd be kind of creepy, you, you, could, you would know that prayer didn't really matter to me because I didn't pray that much. I prayed only for the Hail Marys, only for the things when I really felt the pressure did I pray. But... God started working in this process, and the thing that first drew me to, to pray was not this most noble thing, is I was a freshman, and I was desperate for a girlfriend, <laughs> okay? I was a freshman, and I was desperate for a girlfriend, and it wasn't the most noble thing, but I was, I really wanted a girl. I wanted to find the one, okay? So what I did is I, someone taught me is if you're concerned about something, something on your mind, cast your cares before God, and he will, he will take care of you, and so I took a piece, a part of my journal every day, and I prayed for my future wife. 
And I just prayed that God would give me peace, that he would prepare her. And it's so awesome. I can go back to those journals, and I can see now, Christy, we've been married 10 years on April 5th. Yeah. <laughs> and I, she is an answer to those prayers. She's, I even prayed that she would be hot, and I, that I got that too. So that was a bonus. Um, very shallow guy. Okay. My sophomore summer, I was already dating Christy at the time. And before I left, I was leading a mission trip to Kenya. And I, I was in a room ahead. I was a sophomore. I was leading some other guys that, honestly, the director told me later that the reason you're the leader is because I need you to step up. Those other guys are better leaders than you. <laughs> he told me after the summer, luckily. So I was, like, in over my head leading this team. But before I left for the, for the trip, Christy handed me this journal and said, I'm going to pray for you for 30 minutes a day. And I, I want you to pray for me. So here's a journal. You pray for me. <laughs> and she said, I'm going to, this, see this journal right here? I'm going to pray for you for 30 minutes a day while you're on this trip. God changed my life on that trip. I memorized a verse a day that summer. Um, we saw before the trip, we felt led to ask the Lord to give us 50 people that come to know the Lord that summer. Guess how many did? 50. And we were, God really moved. His spirit moved in our lives and he changed me. I, I came out of that summer a completely different person. And it wasn't because I was so awesome walking around Africa leading people to Christ. It was because my little girlfriend, my sophomore girlfriend, was spending 30 minutes a day just being consistent, praying, filling up a journal, praying for me. And trust me, I needed a lot of prayer. <laughs> so, and I still do. The last few years, though, starting Challenge, I've seen prayer after prayer after prayer answered, and it's through, I have a text message prayer team of about 80 people that I will, when something like this happens, I text them all out and I say, I'm speaking, pray for me, or I have a gospel appointment, pray for me, and God has worked in some awesome ways. In the last eight years as a ministry, we've seen over 600 people come to know the Lord as a, as a result of that, and so another thing that God did to kind of convict me about the need for prayer was he put me, basically he put it on my heart that I needed to start learning more about prayer. I needed to grow my understanding of prayer. And so what I did was I asked some older, wiser people, hey, what are some good books on prayer? And I just jot it down. What are some good books on prayer? And so I'm going to give you guys some good books on prayer. So the first one is The Kneeling Christian by an Unknown Author. That's how humble this dude was, okay? The Kneeling Christian by an Unknown Author. And in the book, he basically just said, prayer matters, so we should do it a lot. And let me just read you a, 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 a long passage from this, from this book. And this book was written probably 80 years ago or something like that. He said this, every one of us would confess that we believe in prayer, yet how many of us truly believe in the power of prayer? Has it ever occurred to you that our Lord never gave an unnecessary or an optional command? Do we really believe that our Lord never made a promise which he could not or would not fulfill? Do we realize that there is nothing the devil dreads so much as prayer? His great concern is to keep us from praying. He loves to see us up to our eyes in work, provided that we do not pray. Someone has wisely said, Satan laughs at our toiling, mocks at our wisdom, but trembles when we pray. All this is so familiar to us, but do we really pray? If not, then failure must dog our footsteps, whatever signs of apparent success there may be. Let us never forget that the greatest thing we can do for God or for man is to pray. 
For we can accomplish far more by our prayers than by our work. Prayer is omnipotent. It can do anything that God can do. When you pray, God works. I love this. There's so much in there. But the phrase that stuck out to me the most when I, when I read that was, was do you, would the Lord give us an unnecessary command? Would the Lord give us an unnecessary command? If prayer didn't really matter, why would he tell us to do it? Okay, so I'm going to get a little philosophical for you for a minute. So God is all-powerful, right? Okay, God is sovereign. He is in complete control. But God has set up the world in such a way that he only does certain things if we ask him to, if we pray. He has set it up that way. Now, let me explain how this works. I don't know. <laughs> okay? Let me drop some wisdom on you. I don't know how those two things work. But I also don't know how my iPhone works on the inside. But I use it every day, and I tweet a lot, too much. But God does things in your life and through your life if you pray, if you are living a faithful praying life, that he won't do if you don't pray, if you don't live that, that kind of lifestyle. God has set up the universe where we need to ask him for the blessings that he wants to give us. James 4, 2b, it says, you do not have because you do not ask God. Straight up. <laughs> I didn't make this stuff up. You do not have because you do not ask God. And this verse actually bothers me a little bit. It haunts me. It should bother you. What, are you, what blessings are you missing out on because you haven't asked God for this? What blessings have, are you missing out on because you have not asked God? I have determined the best of my ability that that won't be true of me anymore. I want to receive every blessing that God has for me through prayer that he wants to give me. And so I want to be faithful in prayer. So don't let that be true of you. A lot of people, when you think about ministry or a lot of us are going out on campus this week, so far um, in the last two days, we've seen 10 people pray to receive Christ. <laughs> yeah. So that is exciting. God is working, and we can get pumped. So that, can, that should make us want to go out and start sharing the gospel with more people, right? But the real work was done through the prayer of our, our supporters. I sent out a prayer request to all. I have about 70, 80 supporters. So I sent a prayer request to them, and they all prayed for us. You guys have been, the San Diego team has been praying on the way. And I saw Kevin send a message to his supporters that were praying. And so we have several hundred pray, people praying for this week. So they are the real heroes. It, maybe you got to share the bridge with someone and lead them to Christ. Actually, Jesus is the real hero. hero. But maybe you got to personally share the bridge and lead someone to Christ today. It's not you. <laughs> it's, it's the team of people praying for this mission trip. And I came across this quote by Ian Bounds. He said, the purpose of prayer is not to prepare for the not to prepare for the, the preacher for his work. Prayer is the work. The purpose of prayer is not to prepare the preacher for his work. Prayer is the work. So ministry is just gathering in the results of prayer. Okay? Ministry is just, we did the work in the prayer closet, so now we're on the streets and we're, we're sharing the gospel. This is just time to, to re get the paycheck. Okay? It's time to get the rewards from your, your, prayer, your prayer life. In case you think I'm making this up, let's check out Matthew 9, 36 to 38. Jesus said, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. 
Then he said to, the, to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. So Jesus saw the crowds, and he had compassion on them. And personally, when I see Chico State, when I see Butte College, when I see the 25,000 lost students, lost students at Chico State and Butte College, my heart breaks. I think I see in between class the sea of humanity, just how many of them are, are harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. They have zero hope without Christ. And it honestly breaks my heart. I think about the students that die. I had a Facebook friend that drank 21 shots on his 21st birthday. And I was trying to invite him to challenge. And he lost his life after his friends left him to die. And he, he died later that, that night. And my heart breaks for these people. Do you ever wish you could do more for the campus, for the world, for the lost? You can. You can do more. You can do more through prayer. Because Jesus said, didn't say, he said he had compassion on them. And what is, what is his command in this verse? What's the command in this verse? Ask. Circle the word ask. Okay? If the first step, if you have a heart for God and for the lost around the world, is to ask. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. If you care about the lost, your prayer life needs to be something that's a regular thing in your life. And the cool thing is, you can reach people, you can make a difference in Afghanistan today. If you, you can get on Operation World, the app, and you can look up Afghanistan, and you can pray for Afghanistan. I remember the first time I realized this, I was flying to Hawaii, actually, and I had a little prayer guide for China, and I just thought, I just took a mission trip to China. <laughs> it was, and I was on my way to Hawaii, the best of both worlds, <laughs> okay? And um, it was such a cool moment for me. It was like the first time I put those pieces together is that prayer needs no passport. Prayer needs no passport. You can make a difference anywhere in the world. You can help feed starving children. You can help the evangelists that are preaching to thousands of people. You can help the, the missionaries that are... It, reaching the unreached in Afghanistan in places where they're regularly losing their lives. You can change the world just by staying here in Chico or staying in San, at San Diego State. You don't have to go anywhere to change the world. You can just do it right here. Wesley Duell said this. He said, you can influence more people for God and have a greater role in advancing Christ's cause by prayer than by any other means. It's not the only thing you must do, but it's the greatest thing you can do. I love that. Wesley Duall, he wrote a book, Touch the World Through Prayer. So if you're looking for another good book, Wesley Duall, Touch the World Through Prayer. His name's kind of hard to, I don't know if I said it right. So let me ask you a question. How's your prayer life? If someone could creep on you <laughs> and follow you around for a week, would they say that prayer matters to you? Okay? Honestly, dude, this is just between you and God. If, they, if I could follow you around, it would be creepy, okay? And I could see everything you did. <laughs> would prayer, does prayer really matter to you? A few weeks ago, uh, in addition to praying consistently, I want to challenge you guys, let's pray big. Let's pray for big things. Lately, I've been praying for some big things that I feel like God's put on my heart. Um, I've shared a little bit with our group. There's 280 campuses in California and less than 10 Christian Challenge Ministries. So one thing that God's led me to pray is that people from our ministry would come out and start new challenges 
on different campuses all over California. And when I think about that vision, there, it was a few weeks ago now, I was just overwhelmed and feeling inadequate and almost like depressed. And, and I was just like, this, I can't do this. And I, I look back now and really that's the point, <laughs> is, is when you live for a vision that God's given you, it, you shouldn't be able to do it without God, right? And so I was praying and as I was praying, I was like, how's this gonna happen? How's this gonna happen? And it was almost as if the Lord just whispered to me a verse that I memorized a while ago. It was John 15, 7. It says, if you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. So there's a little process here. It's remaining in Jesus. So it's walking faithfully with Jesus. It's also getting into the word of God, knowing the word, meditating on the word, being in the word. And then it's asking for big things. And he, God says, Jesus said, it will be done for you. So God's power and, pro- and promises are limitless. God's power and promises are limitless. We, a few years ago, we did a series at Challenge, and we actually showed a video clip of this guy preaching about prayer. It was, a, it was when we were smaller, and we, we sometimes would just show a whole sermon on video. It was like 30 people in, a, in, in Plumas Hall for the Chico people. And it was, it, was, it was really bad acoustics in there. But anyways, we were sitting in there, and Christy was watching this video. It was about praying for big things in faith. And Christy started thinking about a girl that she has been praying for that couldn't have her friend, her close friend that couldn't have kids for years, couldn't have kids. And she thought, wow, maybe God can heal her and help her have kids. And the next day, <laughs> she got a text from that same girl and said, I'm pregnant <laughs> with triplets. <laughs> so, dude, be careful what you pray for, okay? Be careful what you pray for. And so it's like it was almost as if God was saying, yes, ask me. Be faithful. Ask me for big things. Maybe that was a coincidence. Maybe. Maybe it was a coincidence. But I, I came across this quote. Uh, let's just read it together. Richard Trench, Archbishop of Dublin, was reportedly confronted by a skeptic who questioned his testimonies of answered prayer. Your answers to prayer are just coincidence. Trench responded, that may be. I only know this, that the more I pray, the more coincidence I have, and the less I pray, the less coincidence I experience. The unexpected is going to happen more expectedly if you consistently ask God and are faithful in prayer. You're going to have a lot more coincidences in your life if you learn to have a vibrant and powerful prayer life. So are you praying for big things? Are you praying for things that only God can do? That's my challenge to you guys tonight. Are you praying for things that only God can do? And are, you, are your daily prayers focused not just on yourself, but advancing the gospel? Are your daily prayers focused on not just on yourself, but advancing the gospel? So if God answered all your prayers yesterday, would your campus have revival? If God answered all your prayers, would your campus have a revival? If God answered all your prayers yesterday, would the world be different? Would a country in the world be different? Ask God for big things. So now getting a little more practical, the first thing about praying is setting aside time to pray. Setting aside time to pray. I came across another good book. It's called The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. It's called The Hour That Changes the World by Dick Eastman. And in the intro, he just went in and he just went for it. And he said, 
I want to challenge you. I'm going to be straight up about this book. I want to challenge you to pray for an hour a day. And I'm going to show you how you can do that with five-minute, like, types of prayer. So it's a little prayer wheel in the book. Different praise, you know, confession, different types of prayer. And he's like, I want to challenge you. Just try it. Pray for an hour a day. And so I'm not one to back down from a challenge. <laughs> so I tried it. And uh, he used this verse in the intro to even guilt me even more into doing it. And it worked. It said, uh, Matthew 26, 40, it says, could you not watch with me for one hour? Could you not watch with me for one hour? And that's Jesus talking to his disciples. Um, so I decided to give it a try. And I did it for about a year. I prayed, tried to pray for an hour a day. And it sounds really daunting, but I had a 30-minute commute to work and back at the time. I was working at Stanley Steamers, plus, plus job. But I would just pray on my way to work and pray on my way to back, on the way back, instead of listening to talk radio, sports radio, or whatever I was wanting to do. And, or I would also set aside some other times to pray. Or I, if I wasn't able to pray on the way, on the way home, then I would pray throughout my day. And it taught me to pray without ceasing, 1 Thessalonians 5, 7, to pray without ceasing. It taught me to get little chunks. Sometimes I would pray for a whole chunk, like a whole hour, and that was actually a lot more difficult. But sometimes I would just break it up, and just I was just trying to get about an hour. I wasn't legalistic about it. God's not looking at his stopwatch like, oh, you didn't get your steps like a Fitbit or something. It's like... He, he is not concerned about that, but he is concerned about you spending some real time praying to him. And so what God did is he drew me closer to himself, which was the greatest thing about that. He, he actually drew me closer to himself, and I saw some really great answers to prayer in that. Martin Luther, he said this one time. He said, if I fail to spend two hours in prayer each morning, the devil gets the victory through the day. I have so much business, I cannot get on without spending three hours daily in prayer. Bro. Okay. Martin Luther actually started the Protestant Reformation. So he's kind of, he's got a lot on his plate. So let's be honest, he really needed to pray. But I thought that was interesting. He had so much to do that he had to spend three hours in prayer. Now, I'm not saying that's for everyone, that all of you need to feel guilty if you're not spending three hours in prayer. I'm just saying... If you're doing something significant for the kingdom, you need to, I've had to learn to take some gaps in my schedule to pray in between in my life and to make time for prayer. You're too busy not to pray. 1 Timothy 4.7 says, train yourself to be godly. So Ryan Leong, he's pretty fit. So he goes to the gym a couple, how many times a, day, a week do you go to the gym, bro? Not to embarrass you. Four times, that's it. Okay, four times. Wow. <laughs> Whew. I go three, and I'm, like, not even close to that. But I need to learn from him. But, man, you actually have to go to the gym if you want to get schwal, right? Okay? And if you want to grow in your prayer life, you actually have to spend time praying. And you actually have to set aside time to do it. So there's nothing magical about, oh, I prayed for an hour and, like, showing off to your friends. It's about just doing the thing. You learn to pray by praying. Okay, so a verse actually that my dad taught on last night at Challenge was First um, Corinthians nine twenty five through twenty seven, and at the time I was memorizing that verse, and I was watching Michael Phelps win his first million gold medals at one of the Olympics. Okay, and I was just in love with this guy. I had like the man crush on him, and I was like, oh, dude, this guy's legit. And um, 
this verse popped right in my head. It was one of the clearest times the Lord spoke to me. He said this, it's everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. Therefore, I do not run like a man running aimlessly. I do not fight like a man beating the air. No, I beat my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. 1 Corinthians 9, 25 through 27. And it was almost as if the Lord was saying, I want that same level of commitment from you for my kingdom as Michael Phelps has to winning gold medals. There was a special on his life where all he did was eat, sleep, and swim. That's all he did. It was, it was just eating. He ate tons of carbs and jelly beans and just everything. And then he swam and then he slept. That's it. And the Lord was like saying, I, I think that's what this passage is teaching. I, I think I'm accurate in this is God wants us the same commitment to him as an Olympic athlete is to winning gold medals. Because we have something far more important than winning gold medals, right? We have something that's going to last forever. So stretch yourself in prayer. Let me just challenge you. Think about what would be a stretch for you in prayer. Maybe it's 10 minutes a day where you just sit down and you have that 10 minutes where you're going to focus on praying through a prayer list or something. Maybe it's 30 minutes a day. Maybe it's an hour. Maybe some of you guys want to take the challenge. I'm going to pray for an hour a day. And just give it a try. Try it for a month and just see what God does. And I think you'll like it and you'll want to pray, keep praying more. So the next thing I encourage you to do is study and follow the example of others from the Bible and history. Study and follow the example from the Bible and history. The Bible being most important. Uh, Moses, in the Old Testament, he gave a, a great example of why prayer is important. So I'm just going to read and tell you a little bit about this story. It says, so Joshua fought the Amalekites as Moses had ordered, and Moses, Aaron, and Hur went to the top of the hill. As long as Mel Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning. But whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held, held his hands up, one on one side and one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. So Joshua overcame the Amalekite army with the sword. That's Exodus 17, 10 through 13. This is an awesome picture of, do you guys understand what's happening in this story? There's a battle going down on against the good guys and the bad guys, as I teach Owen in the Bible, God's people and the bad people. And they're, they're fighting. And Moses is up here with his, his, his friends, and he is lifting his hands in dependence on God. And the Bible says that, in New, the New Testament says that the things written in the Old Testament were written for our instruction. So God put this story in the Bible for a reason. And I think maybe one of the reasons he put this in, the, in there was to, as a leader, if you're a leader in ministry, you have a responsibility before God to be dependent on him for the results of other people's lives, honestly, for the battles that other people are fighting. And for me, when I this, made this connection with this passage, it was really heavy for me. And I've actually seen this is when I'm faithful in prayer to pray for you guys on our core team and to pray for our ministry, great things start happening. But when I get lazy and I drop my hands, I start to see the effects of that as well. I start to see things slip. So I think there is a, a responsibility built in as a spiritual leader to pray for the people underneath you and to be dependent on God and to intercede kind of on their behalf. 
again, in Moses, we see this in Exodus 32, where the, the Israelites were, made a golden calf, and they were worshiping it. When they had the one true God of the Bible that they could have worshipped, they decided a golden calf would be a good idea to worship. So God was super mad about this, and he told Moses, you can read it in Exodus 32, he told Moses, I'm going to destroy them. I'm going to blot them out. I'm going to, he's going to do that. And Moses said this, let's, let's pick up on the story here. In verse 30, it says, the next day Moses said to the people, you have committed a great sin, but now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I can make atonement for your sin. So Moses went back to the Lord and said, oh, what a great sin these people have committed. They have made themselves gods of gold. Now, but now, please forgive their sin. But if not, then blot me out of the book you have written. Exodus 32, 30, and 32. Deuteronomy actually gives us another picture in Deuteronomy 9, 13 through 18. You can jot that reference down, Deuteronomy 9, 13 through 18. And he, Moses actually during this time fasted for 40 days and 40 nights. So this just wasn't just a quick go into the prayer room and pray. He was fasting for 40 days and 40 nights. And he said, God, if you can spare these people, blot me out of your book. He was putting himself in the place and, and sacrificing so that other people can have life. And I think there's something to learn there is that our prayers, especially if we're spiritual leaders, can, can make an imp- a difference in the people that we're leading's lives. Our prayers can make a difference in other people's lives. We can actually help other people through our prayers. It's not just about you and your personal life. Your prayers can make a difference for other people's. So I don't understand how this works, but it almost sounds like Moses changed God's mind because Moses didn't take, so don't, don't go too crazy on that, but I don't get it yet, and that's just a thing I'm, I don't understand, but Moses, God would have taken him out if Moses didn't, didn't pray that way. That's amazing. Samuel is another good example. It's, he said this, as for me, far be it for me that I should sin against the Lord by failing to pray for you. First Samuel 22, 23. That one's another heavy one. So let me ask you a question. Who do you have a responsibility to pray for? Who do you have a responsibility to pray for? Right now, the last um, year or so, I've been trying to pray for those of you guys on core team, my core, our core team, at, every day. I've been trying to pray for every person on core team every day. And there's about 45 of us on the team. And so some nights, that's really hard. Some nights, I can't get to it till everyone's in bed and it's like 1130. And there's been times where I've like literally like prayed myself to sleep trying to pray for you guys. And those days, I, I don't get everyone. But, but um, and there's some days, I, I just, I'm not perfect at it, so I don't want you to get a wrong impression. Some days, I, I, I can't get to, I, I don't get to it. But I've seen God work. I've seen my love for you guys. Honestly, like, at Hume Lake, it's, it's a little weird. I just see some of you guys, and I just, like, I love you. I just feel like, I feel like the same way I feel for my kids. <laughs> and it is just something that, that I can't explain. <laughs> like, I just really love you guys. <laughs> and, and so th- I think that's something that God does as you pray. And so that's, that's a, a question I want to ask you. Who are you responsible to pray for? Okay, who are you responsible to pray for? And the next one example in the Bible is Jesus. Good example, right? All right? Okay, good example. He's the perfect example. And let's just look at a couple passages. Luke 5, 
16, it says, but Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. Okay? And then Mark 1.35, it says, very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. We don't need to explain much more. Jesus saw that sleep was less important than prayer. Jesus saw, you may need to get to a place where, where prayer is more important than sleep. Or prayer is more important than eating. Even if you may need to skip a meal so you can spend more time praying. Prayer needs to become a priority in your life. The Apostle Paul, he's another person in the Bible that showed us a great desire for prayer. Um, in all his letters, except for the Galatians, because I think he was super mad at them when he wrote it. But that's my personal opinion. <laughs> you can read it later. But it, every letter that he wrote, he said something like this in Romans 1, 9, and 10. He said, God whom I serve with my whole heart in preaching the gospel of his son is my witness how constantly I remember you in my prayers at all times. Romans 1, 9, and 10. And he says that something like this in every letter. And he's, he's saying, and I, I wouldn't, dare say that because that's like, I don't want to, you know, I, I, that is a heavy thing to say to someone else. God is my witness how constantly I pray for you. He saw prayer. And Paul was not just a monk, okay? He wasn't, it's not like he had tons of time. He was traveling around the known world, starting churches all over the known world. And he was writing half of the New Testament in his spare time, okay? Anyone doing that, writing New Testament? I hope not. Okay. Um, but you're not too busy. You're not too busy to pray for the people in your life. Apostle Paul made a priority, and he left a great impact. Now we're going to get into some historical examples that actually I encourage you to read almost all these biographies if you have time in your life, which you do. Um, Adoniram Judson. Adoniram Judson, he was the first missionary, um, one of the first missionaries from America to Burma, overseas, one of the first international missionaries. And I'm just going to read something that he said. He said, arrange your affairs, if possible, so that you can leisurely devote two or three hours every day, not merely to devotional exercises, but to the very act of secret prayer and communion with God. Endeavor seven times a day to withdraw from business and company and lift up your soul to God in private retirement. Be resolute in this cause. Make all practical sacrifices to maintain it. Consider that thy time is short and that thy business and company must not be allowed to rob thee of thy God. Man, that's hardcore. That's, that's hardcore. George Mueller is a guy that proved that prayer made a difference. He, he actually chose, when he became a Christian, he had a really dramatic conversion. I encourage you to read the autobiography of George Mueller. Maybe write that down. Autobiography of George Mueller. And he wrote about how his goal, he started an orphanage. One, to care for orphans. That's a good thing to do. But his main reason he did it was to prove that God can provide for orphans through prayer alone. Um, some of us challenge staff, raise support, and so we do support appointments where we meet with people and we ask them to invest in our ministry. And that is a biblical model for how to do it. But George Mueller, Mueller only had one support appointment, and that was with God. He said, God, I want to provide for these orphans, and I'm going to only ask you for money. And there was some times where the orphans were sitting around the table and they, were, they had no food to eat. And George Mueller said to the orphans, he said, well, the Lord said to ask us to give us this day our daily bread. And <laughs> you can picture what's going to happen. There's a knock on the door 
and the bread truck broke down outside. This is a true story, <laughs> okay? The bread truck broke down outside, and they had enough bread for, this, for the orphans to eat. George Mueller provided for over 1,000 orphans without asking anyone for money, without doing any fundraisers. He said this, no one should expect to see much good resulting in his labors if he does not spend time in prayer and meditation. Only a life of prayer will render him a vessel ready for the master's use and fit to be employed in the conversion of sinners and in the edification of saints. I'm glad that I learned the importance of ministering in God's power alone. I can do all things through Christ, but without him, I can accomplish nothing. George Mueller. So David, David Brainerd was another guy another missionary that you should read his biography, um, that he basically decided when he was about 20 that all these Native Americans, he was in America, all these Native American villages didn't have the gospel. There was a lot of Christians in America at the time, but there wasn't a lot of gospel in the villages of the Native Americans. So he decided he was going to go travel from village to village by himself as a single guy at the about age of 20 and preach the gospel to these Indians, these Native Americans. And he said this one time when he was 24 years old. I read this. You can actually just read his journals, the journals of David Brainerd. I encourage you to do it at some, at some point. He said this. I, I copied and pasted it, and I thought, who would say that? He said this. I love to live alone in my own little cottage where I can spend much time in prayer. <laughs> a 24-year-old dude, <laughs> you know, alone in a little cottage. There's, does he know something I don't? about prayer. Does he know something I don't? And I think the answer is yes. Um, and you read over and over in his journals, I set aside this day for fasting and prayer. Well, in another time, he said, spent two hours in secret duties, which he called prayer, agonizing for immortal souls. Though it was early in the morning, yet my body was wet with sweat. He was just praying. It was cold. He was praying, but he was working himself up into a sweat in praying for the people that he he had a heart for. And another one, I love this quote. He said, had a deep sense of the vanity of the world. I love to live on the brink of eternity. I love to live on the brink of eternity. When your life is full of prayer, it's almost as if God lets you see with a greater eternal perspective. You, you live, when you live a life of prayer and commitment to Christ, you get to see things that other people don't see. You see the eternal realities that other people may not see. You get to live on the brink of eternity. That's, I love that quote. I wish I made that up. He just wrote, and he didn't know his journals were going to, he didn't want his journals published. But Jonathan Edwards, one of his mentors, after he died said, who cares what he thinks? I'm going to publish these. The world needs to see these. So, and then he said one more quote I love. It said, oh, that I may never loiter on my heavenly journey. I love that. Everywhere he went, he would pray. He would turn his, he would be riding from village to village, and he would pray. And God would pour out his spirit on these villages, and the whole communities would come to Christ. And revivals would break out among the Native Americans, and then they would, they would serve the Lord in that way. So David Brainerd died at 29. He died at 29. And he just poured himself out. Like the Apostle Paul said, I poured myself out like a drink offering before the Lord. So I pray that some of us, that will be our story, is that we, it doesn't matter how long your life is, it matters what you live your life for. It doesn't matter how long your life is, it matters what you live your life for.
John Wesley is another guy you should read about. <laughs> He's another guy you should read about. He basically was used by God to start one of the biggest revivals in American Christianity, and it also spread to England and other places. And he said this. He said, God does nothing except an answer to prayer. God does nothing except an answer to prayer. He had these radical preachers that would, pre- that would travel on horseback from village to vi- village, and it, they considered it a fail of a day if they preached less than three times in one day. They were just bummed. They're like, man, I only got to preach three times. <laughs> and, but they also, he challenged them to pray for at least an hour a day in, in their times. And they, as they were traveling from village to village, they were praying and reading books, Christian books and, and the Bible and other books, the whole time while they were riding on horseback. He figured out how to do that, how to ride a horse and read a book. I love it. That's like me. I'm trying to do that with my audible at three times the speed. Just get it. Okay. John, he also said this. I resolved to devote an hour to retirement and private prayer morning and evening. No pretense or excuse whatsoever. Love it. And then what else he said? He said, whatever you like it or not, this was to his younger preachers, read and pray daily. It is for, it is for your life. There is no other way. Else you will be a trifler all your days. So he's saying, read and study daily, pray daily. Otherwise, you're just going to be a trifler. That means someone that just is not doing very well <laughs> and to his preachers. So if you're trying to have a ministry, but you're not faithful in prayer, you're going to be a trifler all your days. You're, you're not going to be as effective as you could be for the Lord's service. Another guy that's kind of a crazy um, story, his name was John Praying Hyde. Okay, John Praying Hyde. You can read his biography. And uh, with, the, with a name like Praying as a middle name, you can imagine how intense this guy was. He literally prayed his heart out. Okay, he was in India, missionary in India, and he prayed so hard that it said that he, it said in his biography, his heart literally moved from one side of his chest cavity to the other to a near, from a near constant strain and physical taxation upon it. It was the strain of prayer, the burden of the loss that he carried. He knew full and well that it was killing him, but he considered it the highest honor to participate with Christ in his office. If this, if this, it challenges you to read stories like this. These are missionaries that, that are real people that, that God used. And God told him one time that I want you to pray for four people to get saved a day, that you personally lead to Christ. And he did that for a while, and he led four people But most of his time was spent, he led four people a day for a whole year. (laughs) And, but most of his time during the day was in prayer. He was either praying that God would give him the four people or he was out witnessing, trying to find the four people. And God did that. Now, none of us here are praying hide. So, but I just tell you stories like this is to let you guys know there's more that you can grow in, in your prayer life. I'm not telling you that all of us are called to do that, 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 but I am saying that follow whatever the Lord leads, to, leads you to do in your prayer life, and you won't regret it. Another guy named Praying Payson of Portland, okay? <laughs> Another guy with the name Praying in his name. Praying Payson of Portland. I heard about him. He actually would pray by his bedside every day. God used him in some great ways to bring revival. He was praying on his bedside, and he actually wore grooves in the wood 
by his bedside, two little grooves where he prayed every day by his bedside, like just praying for the people of his, his people in Portland. And he actually developed what they called camel's knees. Like, like these, it was like these weird knobby knees that he got from praying. And it's just like stories like that I like. I just found it interesting. Uh, I don't know about reading his biography. I haven't read his biography or not. Um, Dawson Trotman. Anyone heard of Dawson Trotman? Okay. He founded a ministry called The Navigators. And he started his ministry with 40 days of prayer. They would wake up at really early in the morning, and they would just go out to a hillside and pray for several hours each morning. They would go outside, and eventually they brought a world map, and they, they brought a world map out on this hillside in Southern California, and they put their hands on every country in the world, and they said, God, give us men in this country. God, give us men in this country. And it was just, a, just three or four of them praying every day for that. And God has literally multiplied disciples in every country of the world through this guy's legacy of disciples making disciples and making disciples. He said this, we couldn't have prayed the first week for those little islands and countries you had to look close to see. I didn't think the amount of time you spend in prayer has much to do with whether God hears you. But I do believe time has something to do with your faith being built up as you pray and as you asked. So actually, we're a result of Dawson Trotman's prayers. Because Dawson Trotman discipled a guy named Waylon Moore. And Waylon Moore is a, discipled a guy named Max Barnett. And Max Barnett discipled a guy named Paul Wooster. <laughs> and Max Barnett discipled a guy named David Wooster. <laughs> and we're all in this room. <laughs> okay? And we are, so, we are an, actually an answer to the prayers of Dawson Trotman and those guys in the mountain. Uh, Max Barnett is actually my personal mentor. Um, he, in his little biography, he actually has a biography, which is great. It talks about he always read stories of men like Hudson Taylor, George Mueller, and he constantly tried to live to pray without ceasing. And one time it tells a story of a student that was riding with Max, and all of a sudden he would just start praying out loud. And uh, the, the student was like, oh, he's praying. Oh, no, I need to close my eyes. And Max would look over and say, you know, you can pray while driving as long as you don't close your eyes while you pray. <laughs> and I remember his disciple, John Kelsey, mentored me a little in college. And he would just be, we would just be driving around town, and he would just say, well, Lord. <laughs> and I was like, oh, he's going in. Okay. <laughs> All right. You know? It's just this lifestyle of prayer that you can just live, and, and God can use it. My parents, John and Diane Worcester, were people of prayer. Um, we're actually, they couldn't have kids for eight years. And it was at a prayer meeting, at a, at a prayer meeting that God told my mom, that he was going to heal her of the disease she had so she couldn't have kids. So it's another one, be careful what you pray for type of type moment. So she had two sets of twins as a result of that. And my dad was actually healed of his hemorrhoids at the same time, which I don't think he likes me telling that story. Um, and then um, Gary and Joni Hamilton, I have the, I've had the privilege of the pastors here at Chico Community Church. Gary is the pastor. And I have the privilege of living with Gary and Joni several times. And... Um, it's, it's amazing to see, like, Gary can have 400 people at a church service, and I can be chilling on the couch watching football after Sunday, and he's just pouring through those cards, the communication cards, praying for every one of them. Joni is a woman of prayer also. She, um, when I decided to, before I married Christy, she handed me this fat journal, and it says, 
that, and she said, I've been praying for you ever since Christy was born because <laughs> you're her husband. And, um, and so I'm so grateful for that. She just had this fat journal of prayers she prayed for Christy's future husband. They've been also praying for a ministry to be at Chico State for over 20 years before it was started. And they didn't know they were raising one of the people that was going to lead it. <laughs> it was my wife, Christy. So let me ask you, you, okay, you, what, what will your legacy be in prayer? What will your legacy be? Will your, will your life be marked by a constant intimate relationship with God and answers to prayer? It's really up to you. Don't be praying, don't try to be praying hide overnight, okay? Just be you and pray and seek the Lord for growing your prayer life. And 10 years from now, 15 years from now, you can look back and you can see a string of answers to prayer that God can give you. Let me pray. Father, I pray that this would not just be um, an inspiring night or an uh, emotional experience, but that each of us in here would really think and think about these things and that we would apply them to our lives. And we would all, every single one of us, including me, Lord, that we would all grow in our prayer lives, that we would become people that are faithful in prayer, and that you use us to see a movement of God on this campus, in the campuses of California, and in the unreached people groups around the world. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.